for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. All right, Colossians chapter 1, are you there? Look at verse 15. It says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him, and all things were created what? For him. Now, notice what this tells us here. First of all, all things were created by God. How many of you know everybody pretty much agrees with that that believes in God? So all things are created by him. All things are created by him, but notice also they were created what? For him. So now, here's a point if you're going to walk in the kingdom of God, you've got to get in your spirit, and you've got to get an understanding. Not only were you created by him, but you were put here for him. You were not put here for you. You were not put in here for your plan, your purpose, your anything else. You were created by him, and you were also created for him. So this fact, when you get it, will be the start of the knowledge of the kingdom of God for you because it takes all the focus off of yourself and puts it on what God has put you here for and what you're here to do. Many people are running around all different directions. They do drugs, they do alcohol, do everything else, just because they don't know what they're here for and what they're doing. When you find your purpose and plan, all those holes you're trying to fill with those things will be gone because basically you're going to fill them with God's will in every situation. So the key basically is you were created by him and you were created for him. Say for him. Until you know you're created for him, you're going to go ahead and live your life the way you want to live it. You're going to do things the way you want to do things because you think he created you for you, for you to do whatever you wanted to do. So not only were you created through him and by him, but you were created for him. So if you were created for him, everything he created is destined to work his way, not that thing's way. Are you following me? Say, I was created to work his way. All right, go to Romans chapter 8. Most people in the body of Christ think they were created just to get to heaven. So once they get born again, they're pretty much done down here. They're just waiting to die and go to heaven sometime. But that's not the way it is. You were created by him and for him. There's something here for you to do. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 29. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. Here it says you've been predestined. Say, I've been predestined. Now, what have you been predestined to do? To be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, you have a destiny. You are destined by your makeup, the way you were created, to be in his image and in his likeness. You were created to be like him. You were created to live like him. He created you that way. When we work and live in his way, everything's going to go well for us. When we work and live in some other way or our own way, everything starts to fall apart in our lives. God made us in his own image. We are naturally made by God, and you were created for God. Say for God. You remember back in Genesis, it says, so God made man in his own image and his likeness. In the likeness of God, he made them male and female. He made them. Now, what, what has been the problem over time? The problem has been that man's freedom has spoiled that image that God created him to have. How did he do that? He gave man a free will, which means every person who's born on the earth, we're not a robot, we're not being controlled by God. You have a free will, and you can decide which way you are going in your life. In other words, you make that decision. Basically, if you go God's way, everything goes very well in your life. If you go your way, you end up in ruin in your life. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, 
but the end of it ends in destruction. Why is that? Because once we're born here and, and once we get in the kingdom of God, we think we've got everything all figured out. We think we know what to do. I'm going to heaven. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. Well, what do you do now between your 20, 20th year when you got born again and you die at 90? What are you going to do for the next 70 years? Well, I don't care. I'm going to heaven when I die. It don't make any difference. But notice, you're either going to go God's way or you're going to go the other way. The problem is, is man has corrupted himself with something called sin. Say sin. And I don't know if I've ever preached on sin in my entire life, but we're going to hit it this morning, praise God, for a chance. Hallelujah, because I like to bring people up. But notice, I want to show you what's going on in the kingdom of God. And basically, sin corrupted man, spoiled man. God didn't do it. Mankind did that. Sin has been and always will be the parent of all misery in anyone's life. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? It's death. So sin has a reward, doesn't it? What's the reward it has? Death. Now, that's just not dying. That is death to your emotions, death to your relationships, death to your finances, death to every single part of you. So sin has a, a wage, and that wage is something called death. Go to Revelations chapter 10. Revelations chapter 10, look at verse 9, it says, And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly turned very bitter. Notice, this is a good description of sin. This explains what sin is, the history of sin. In the mouth or when you're doing it seems like the most wonderful thing you've ever done in your life. But after you swallow it, after you do it, bitterness arises on the inside of you and in your heart. You remember the old song, Frank Sinatra, I'll do it my way. Well, let me tell you, you don't want to do it your way. You want to do it his way. So even though sin is so tempting at the time, it looks like such a great thing to do. I mean, have an affair on my wife at the time. Oh, this young girl loves me and she just cares for me. After you do it, right after that, how many know it gets pretty bitter after you did it? You thought, my God, what the heck was I doing? You rob a bank. How many know at the time it sounds good? I'm going to have me some money, praise God. But after you rob it, how many know you say, oh, my God, what did I do there? Why is that? Because sin is appealing to us and it's there, but it is against our human nature. It is against who we were created. It is against who we are. We're created in the image and likeness of God. So sin is not something, basically, that, that appeals to our human nature because we were not created that way. We were created in the image and likeness of God. So you end up doing what you like, then you don't like what you do. You have your way, then you don't like your way. You express yourself, and then you don't like the person you're expressing. Why is that? Because you've stepped out of alignment with the kingdom of God and basically have stepped into another realm which is called sin and rebellion of God. All going away from Christ and his kingdom in your life will give you a feeling of unalignment. I mean, you know, when you do something that you know is wrong and you do it wrong, how many know when you do that wrong, you feel like God just left the country? He's now in Korea someplace, and I'm still in the United States, and all this kind of stuff. Why is that? Because you alienated yourself from who you are. Basically, you sinned against yourself. Basically, you're in rebellion, not against God, but against you, because that's not your nature. Your nature was born to serve God. And whenever you come back to God and repent, how many know it's like a homecoming? 
I mean, the day that I got born again, my God, I thought I stepped right into heaven. Before then, I don't know where God was. He was somewhere around, but he wasn't very close to me. But the day I repented and I and I received Jesus, my Lord and Savior, I mean, it just felt like whoosh. The grass was greener. The sky was bluer. The birds were chirping. Everything was so good. Why is that? Because I stepped back into where I was supposed to be, according to my human nature, that is in line with God. Now, how many know there's temptation in the human nature? In other words, you're going to be tempted of things. But even though you're tempted, it is not natural for you as a human being to sin. It is not your nature. It's not who you were created to be. It was not the natural thing to do. I'll tell you, if it was the natural thing to you, for you to do, then when you did sin, it would better you. If you planted a good seed of sin and you were supposed to sin and that's what your nature is, then it should blossom and grow in your life. But how many it doesn't? I mean, it destroys relationships, it destroys you, it destroys everything about you. It is the opposite, basically, in your life. Basically, people who live in sin go to pieces sooner or later. They fall apart. Their relationships and everything fall apart. So the Christian way, basically, is coming home. The way of sin is an alienation and a rebellion against yourself. And basically, you're sinning against your own nature that God put on the inside of you. If you won't live with God, you cannot live with yourself. I'm going to say that again. If you won't live with God, then you can't live with yourself. Why is that person so miserable? Well, you can figure it out. It's pretty easy to figure out. They're not living with God. They're sinning. They don't even like themselves anymore, praise God. And, of course, they're going to love you as they love themselves. Hallelujah. Go to Psalm 1. There's some good stuff in my little notebook here this morning. All right, Psalm chapter 1, we've heard this plenty of times. Let's just go to verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate how often? day and night. So this is talking about the kingdom way, isn't it? It's talking about two different ways that you can go. When you live in the kingdom way, one thing I found out is you do not have to try to be blessed or try to be happy. You just are. I'm trying to be happy. Well, then line up with the kingdom of God and God's way of doing things and you'll be happy. I'm struggling for happiness. Keep struggling. Keep struggling. Come back to me in 30 years and I'll give you the same thing. No, when you do these things, when you delight in God's law, when you delight in the way that you were created to be, which is God's law and the kingdom law, blessing and happiness will be automatically in your life. You won't help but be blessed. You won't help but be happy in your life because you're living the way you should be. There is more joy in living in line with God's kingdom for one day than there is living in sin for one month. It's just natural joy that comes out of the inside of you, basically, because you're living the way that you should. There are no hangovers from living the Christian life. You never go to church, praise God, get excited, read your Bible, wake up in the morning and say, oh, my God, am I hungover? Jesus, should have never read the Bible that much last night. No, but in the natural realm, there is a hangover for sin. There's guilt that comes. There's condemnation that comes. There's separation that comes. I mean, when I was drinking and sinning, trying to fill the void in my life, how I many know there was a hangover the next morning? And it was there every morning. But there's no hangover in the kingdom of God. Somebody said one time, he who spits against the wind spits in his own faith. So what are you doing? You're sinning, and it's blowing right back and hitting you in the face. You don't understand that when we're doing that, when we're stepping out of our alignment of our natural nature, basically at that time, what's happening? We are hurting ourselves 
in this life, basically, because you were not created to do that as a human being. It is an unnatural thing to do. Say sin is an unnatural thing to do. All right, go to Acts chapter 19. All right, Acts chapter 19, look at verse 8. And Paul went into the synagogue and boldly spake for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning what? The kingdom, the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way, say that way, that way before the multitude he departed from them and separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius. Now notice, here's Paul. He goes and he speaks for three months and what's he teach about? The kingdom of God and the lifestyle of the kingdom of God. Now notice what the results was. He was teaching about God's way. He was teaching about Christ's way. He was teaching about the right way. And notice most of the people here, it says, got mad at him and basically didn't like what he was teaching. I ain't listening to that kingdom stuff anymore. I'm going someplace else. Go. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. You can't hear too much about the kingdom of God, praise God. He did it for three months. I'm doing it for eight times a month, praise God. But he was there teaching it. Why? Because apparently it was important to Paul to get this. And basically here it's called the way. Say the way. So the way in the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God way or the Christ-like way. That's the way that you go in the kingdom of God in order to go the right way. There's a scripture that says basically that the narrow way leads to, narrow way leads to what? Leads to life and for those who find it, say find it. Now, if you're going to find the way, you're going to have to look for the way in order to find the way. Are you following me? Why do you, why do you have to find the way? Why do you have to search out the way? Because his way is not your way. His thoughts is not your thoughts. So I'm going to seek out his way to do it. It says broad is the way of those who go. And many people find it, but it leads to what? Destruction. So what's he talking about? You've got two choices. Let me tell you, there's the right way and there's the wrong way. There's no way in between. You're either going the right way or you're going the wrong way. Now, how many know Jesus says, I am the way. the truth and the life? Now, why did Jesus say, I am the way? Because he is the way, basically the kingdom of God way on two legs here on the earth that showed us how to live the kingdom way. In other words, he was a kingdom on two legs when he came here. The way he responded, the way he reacted, the way he thought, the way he did things. He was giving us an example of how we do these things and how we live in the kingdom of God because it's very important to live in the kingdom of God. To God, it is very important to live in the kingdom of God. To man, they could take it or leave it or do whatever they want to do. But to God, it's very important that you live his way, the kingdom way, and you're going one way or the other way. How important is it? We'll go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, look at verse 43. Jesus is speaking, and Jesus says, Well, if your hand offends you, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell and the fire that never will be quenched. 
Verse 44, where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. Verse 45, and if your foot offends you, cut it off. It's better for you to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell and into the fire that never shall be quenched. Look at verse 47. And if your eye offends you, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to enter in. Now, what's he talking about here? He's talking about entering into life. Say life. How many know that Jesus is the life, but the kingdom way is also the way, which is the life? So he's saying here, how important is the kingdom of God? Well, it's better for you to cut off one of your hands and enter the kingdom of God than go through life with two hands. It's better for you to pluck out one of your eyes and get into the life of the kingdom of God. What's he doing here? He's trying to demonstrate the importance of us living not against our nature, but living in line with our nature in the kingdom of God because we were not only created by him, but we were created for him. And when we operate the way we're supposed to, we get done the fulfillment of what God put us here to do to begin with in our lives. So notice, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. Jesus is the way, and the kingdom is the way. The way to what? life here on the earth and living it more abundantly. Go to Matthew chapter 25. All right, Matthew chapter 25, look at verse 34. Jesus once again is speaking. He says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now notice your inheritance is not heaven. Your inheritance is the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world world. So the king said, come my right hand, come blessed of my father. Why were these people blessed of the father? Because they were living in the blessing in the kingdom way and they couldn't get away from the blessing because when you do that, blessings come upon you and they overtake you. So he says, inherit a kingdom prepared for you for when? From the foundation of the world. Now the kingdom was prepared for man, not merely at the point of time, the foundation of the world, but has been prepared for us for all time. In other words, it wasn't prepared then and we we're supposed to live in it some other time. We're supposed to be living in it right now. It was already prepared for us to live this way. It was prepared for man to live in and a lifestyle in. The kingdom of God nature fits man's nature. In other words, the kingdom of God operates will line up with your natural nature because that's the way that you were created. When you obey the laws of the kingdom, we obey the laws of our own being. In other words, we're obeying ourselves. So the kingdom is written not merely in the New Testament. It's not written in the message of Jesus. It is written into our blood, our nerves, our tissues, our organs, our relationships, our whole makeup. Say the kingdom of God laws have been written into my entire makeup, spiritually, mentally, and physically. And let me prove it to you. You don't even have to be born again. And when you knew you did something wrong, you still knew. You did something wrong. Why? Because it's even against the natural, not only against the spiritual, but it's against the natural way that you were created to do something. So whether you're born again, didn't know God or didn't, when you did something wrong, you knew it. And then the first thing you did was lied about it and compounded it. See, then made up a story about it. So you didn't have to be taught that stuff that's anti to the human nature that God has placed on the inside of you. So it's in your whole makeup. It's already there. It's who you are, basically. Living in the kingdom of God is part of every single part of you. The life of the body is in the blood 
the word says. So the life of God and the life of the things you need is already in your blood. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. The scripture should open up to you a little bit more now this morning. Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse 12. For the word of God or the laws of God are alive and they are powerful. They are sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and of the spirit and of the, and the, and as a discerner of the thoughts of the hearts. Notice this. The kingdom way to do things is already in your joints. It's already in your bones. It's already in your blood. It's already part of the tissue that's on the inside of you. We were created and structured for the kingdom way. Jesus and the kingdom are the way and the life, and therefore they will bring you the truth. When we say that Jesus and the kingdom are the way, we don't merely mean the way to heaven. They are the way, period. They are the way to live. They are the way to act. They are the way to feel. They are the way to think. They are the way to be in every situation. There are just two things in life once again. There's the way and there's not the way. And every person's making a choice of which way they are going. But how many know there are wages to both? The wages of the sin is? But the wages of a good life is life and life more abundantly. Go to John chapter 4. I like to do the rah-rah sermons where I pump you guys up and tell you how great you are and tell you how wonderful and everybody goes, oh yeah, amen, glory to God and shake your heads. And, but when you talk about sin and the change in people's life, it gets awful quiet, don't it? It's really quiet in here. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is already working on some of you on the inside right now and fixing some out of alignment things with your relationships and with your own life right now. And that's good. That's what he needs to do and that's what he wants to do, praise God. We're going to get right inside you this morning. All right, John chapter 4. Look at verse 34. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. I'll look at it again. This is Jesus. He says unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Now, first of all, the kingdom of God could not come to the earth until Jesus came, basically because he had to set us free, but also because he had to show us what the kingdom of God was like, so the Spirit of God then could line us back up with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is your answer to every single thing in your life if you start seeking it out. It is a natural way to live. It is a supernaturally natural way to live here on the earth. Look what Jesus said. Now, I don't know. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Now, how many of you would have ever said that? We won, would they? I mean, basically, I want to do his will. I want to, my meat is to do the will of God. What's he saying? His will or his way is my food. His will or his way, when I'm doing it, feeds me. His will or his way gives me freedom. Well, if his way gives us freedom, then our way gives us bondage. Why are you in bondage? Because you went the wrong way. You made a wrong turn on your life, basically. His will basically was spiritual food to him. Our will against his will then would be poison. To do what you want, to do it your way, to do it how you want to do it, poisons your system. It poisons your health, it'll poison your usefulness for God here on the earth, and it poisons your present time and also your future time. It is said that the Christian way is the hard way. Have you ever heard that? Oh, being a Christian is hard. No, being anti-Christian is hard. 
because being Christian is joy, peace, righteousness, and happiness. Anti is basically falling apart in every area of your life. The hard way is not the Christian way. The hard way is the anti-Christian way that people choose to do. All right, go to 1 John chapter 5. I first got born, oh, this Christian life is so hard. Oh, my God. It's so, so hard. No, it's hard. You're just doing what you want to do rather than what he told you to do. And it's going to become hard as long as you continue to do that in your life. All right, 1 John chapter 5, look at verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous to us. Look at it again. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Well, I love the Lord. Are you keeping his commandments? I really love him. Are you keeping his commandments? But I love him even though I'm not. No, you don't. It says right here. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. If you want to find the most miserable people in the world, they are the ones who are self-centered. They are the ones who won't do anything for anybody else, but expect everybody else to do something for them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They will live miserable lives. There's no exception. You cannot be self-centered and live any kind of kingdom life whatsoever. On the contrary, the happiest people in the world seem to be them who deliberately take on other people's problems all the time, take on their sorrows and troubles, and try to help them in every situation. They seem to walk in the joy of the Lord. We are structured. We are created. We were created by God and for God for the love of the kingdom of God. In other words, we are to walk in love land. Say love land. Love land is the land that we belong in, not selfish land. We are to bear the burdens of one another. Jesus said we are to lay down our lives for other people. But what about me? Funny, the first uh, group we had here singing was John and Lisa Bordemans, and they'd be doing songs and practicing songs. They were so much fun, I'm telling you what. They were nuts. They were up here, and all at once, uh, you know, Steve had a little drum solo, and, and they cut him out. He didn't get to play it, and Steve would say, what about me? What about me? What about me? And the rest of them knew that he was supposed to, Lisa get to sing a song, and she could sing a song. What about me? What about me? It was their standing joke to each other to stay together and do everything. But basically, that's the miserable life that some people lead. What about me? What about me? Well, I'm in the hospital and I'm dying on a bed. Well, yeah, but I stubbed my toe yesterday. It's it, you know, always about me, always about what happens to me. Somebody come and help me. Somebody do something for me. Please do something for me. And then they'll praise you for doing it. You're the greatest person ever. Yeah, because you just feel their selfish need to begin with. Come on now. An awful quiet in here. Yeah, that's the way it is. Selfishness. Say selfishness. Now notice what it says here at the end of, the, of verse 3. And his commands are not grievous. Now, how many of you through your Christian life have found out some of his commands are a little grievous or are a little burdensome? But notice, now that we know we were created by him and for him, and that is our nature, and that is who we're supposed to be, the commands that he gives us are basically our demands to living the lifestyle that we need to live. Let me give you an example. Today, I'm going I'm to give you a command, okay? And everybody, you're going to have to obey me. Here's my command. After church this morning, everybody goes and eats lunch. Now, how many of you would say, well, that's no problem. I can do that. Well, why do I want you to go eat lunch? Because it's good for you to do that. It's what you're naturally going to do anyway. So my command was just your demand anyway. 
Well, God says, love your neighbor as yourself. His command is your demand. Because if you'll do what he tells you to do, which is a natural way for you to do things in your nature anyway, there'll be a reward on the back side for what he told you to do. Are you following me? Everything he commands us to do is not to keep us from doing something. It's to line us back up with his kingdom so that we do that and get the reward of it and live in the life in the kingdom of God. So his command should not be grievous to us. Forgive one another. Oh, my God. No, what's he trying to do? Keep you free, keep you in line, set you free. That's the demand of your nature. Now, you can walk in unforgiveness for 20 years, and I guarantee your body will be all messed up. Your emotions will be all messed up. Your thought life will be all messed up. You'll feel terrible on the inside, but bless God, you're teaching them a lesson. Do you see? But it's against your nature. Now, if sin was the way we were created and the way we would be, the more unforgiveness you had, the better off you'd be. The more rebellion you had, the more offense you had, you'd be better. But it does, look what it does to you. It tears your insides out because it's in your tissue. It's in your bloods. It's in your bones. It's in your emotions. The kingdom of God way lines up with that way. When you get out with your emotions or your feelings or anything out of kingdom land, you end up in problem land every single time because you cannot operate that way. You are not called. So notice his command basically is our demand. Loving God and others is his command, but it's also our demand. It's necessary for us to live the kind of life we want to. It's necessary to walk in healing and divine health and all these things. Morality basically is not only in the Bible, it's already on the inside of you. It's in your tissues. It's the way, it's the nature of who you are. You know what's moral and you know what's not. It's already in your tissues and your nerves and your bones. And I mean, let's face it, if somebody's having an affair on their wife, they don't run into the wife and tell them the next day. <laughs> See, if it was a natural thing to do, honey, we're doing according to our nature. I'm having two affairs. Isn't that great? Oh, honey, I love you even more than I did before. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't tell anybody. You don't tell anything. You just ain't going to mention anything about that. Why? Because you know that 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 it's not right because you were created not only by him, but you were also created for him. So there's a way to live in victory. There's a way to live in the kingdom of God. How is that way? It's to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's what he tells you to do. Let me help you. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, if you don't love your neighbor as you love yourself, you won't even love yourself if you don't love your neighbor, and then you won't love anybody because if you don't love you, you can't love your neighbor as you love yourself who you don't already love to begin with. Are you following me? So you're going around in a circle. I don't like me at all. Come and be my neighbor. No thanks. My God, no thank you. If you can't even get along with yourself, why get me in there, for God's sakes? Now, these are laws. These are rules. This ain't stuff made up. These are spiritual laws in the kingdom of God that, that, that act in your life, and they affect your life. They affect your health. They affect every single thing about you. All right, go to Matthew chapter 21. And when you start laying down your life for other people, when you start picking up the burdens, when you start serving other people, the first thing that happens when you start doing it, there's going to be a joy that triggers on the inside of you that you never felt before. But the problem is, if you don't get any response from the person doing something for you, then you've got to be careful because you will get upset. Well, I've, I've did this, I've did that, I've did this, I've did that, I did this, I did that, I did this, and they've done absolutely nothing for me. I'll tell you what, this ain't worketh-ing. You're not worketh-ing it for them to do something for you. You're working it because it's good for you. 
And that's who you are. That's the nature that you have on the inside. But we think every time we do something, we should get something back. Oh, they took me to lunch. I got to take them to lunch. Oh, they spent $20. I got to spend $21 to show that I'm better than they are. You know, that's not human. That's not our real nature. Do you understand? That's a nature that's been placed in the inside of us that doesn't really belong there. All right, Matthew chapter 21. Look at verse. Oh, my goodness. Look at verse 42. Jesus said unto them, did you never read the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken away from you and given to a nation bringing forth the what? Fruits of the kingdom of God. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind to powder. So what's it saying here? There are consequences for not bearing fruit in the kingdom of God. What are those consequences? Well, basically, if you go your own way, either a stone's going to fall on you and crush you, or you're going to fall on a stone and break apart. Either way that you go, it's going to get you. Let me give you an example. Here's a young man. Let's say a young man's out there. He ends up finding a 14-year-old girl. He rapes a 14-year-old girl. He rapes a 14-year-old girl. They go around. They know who it is. They look for him. They catch him. He goes to trial. The trial says, life in prison. On his way out, he says, what a life. What a life. How many of you know for about two minutes of small pleasure, he's lost his entire life in prison, probably still living there guilty, condemned, and everything else, ruined his whole life simply because that had happened. What happened? The stone fell on him and crushed him. What is the stone? Christ or the kingdom way of walking in the kingdom of God. All right, let's try somebody else. Somebody robs a bank. They think, my God, if I can just get a million dollars out of this bank, woo-wee, freedom, freedom, freedom. So they go in and they rob the bank and they get away with it. And basically nobody knows who it is. And the cameras didn't work because they had a mask on and they can't find him. Even though he didn't get caught, he's still living in guilt, still living in condemnation, anything but free because he's got to hide, praise God. Somebody looking for him all the time. He's got to be careful how he spends his money because those bills might have been marked. And even though he got away with it, He's still living in a mess for the rest of his life. He still destroyed his life even though he didn't get caught. What happened? He fell on the stone. It doesn't matter which way. It doesn't matter if you do it and get caught or if you do it and don't get caught. You're going to have the same consequences because your nature is not supposed to do those things. It's not on the inside of you to be that way and do that way. The wages of sin, once again, is death. What's the answer to it? He that saves his life... What does it tell you will happen if you're going to go your way? We'll lose it. Most people are trying to save their life. Most people want this. Most, do this for me. Do that for me. Everybody do something for me. And what happens when you do that? You lose your life. There's no peace there. There's no joy there. There's nothing there. That's not your nature. The Bible doesn't say God so loved the world that he kept his only begotten son because he loved him so very much. That's not the nature. God so loved the world that he See, that's God. What does God do? God gives. Where there's a need, he gives. When there's somebody who needs something, what does he do? He gives to them, praise God. That's the nature that we have on the inside of us. Basically, sin in those things is spiritual suicide. You're basically slowly causing spiritual suicide on the inside, and your physical body, which responds to your spirit, is falling apart, and all these things is happening, and you don't know why, and it's simply because you're living the wrong way. You're going the wrong way that leads to destruction. All right, go to Luke chapter 17.
All right, Luke chapter 17, verse 20, familiar scripture. And when it was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is where? Notice, the kingdom of God is within us. It is also around us all over the place. But if you break the laws of the kingdom that are within you, you will end up getting broke from breaking the laws of the kingdom. It's not that God's punishing you. It's you have broke the law of your own nature on the inside of you. So basically, you have to obey its laws, its principles, its attitudes in order to live abundantly in your life. The kingdom of God is within you. Say, the kingdom of God is within me. Now, where is it? This law of human nature and living God's way and like God is basically, once again, in your tissues. It's in your nerves. It's in your organ. Everybody in this room has a Christian stomach. It works well as long as you're living the Christian way. It don't work so well as long as you're not living the Christian way. You have nerves. You have brain cells. All these things in your nature and in your being were created to live the kingdom of God way that's in your life. People have upset stomach all the time. Why is that? Because they're worrying and in fear all the time, and it messes up with your stomach stuff, and your food won't even digest. So what do they do? They go to the doctor and get a bunch of drugs. And every drug they give you, they give you two more drugs to make up for the drug that they already gave you. Pretty soon you're taking three drugs. What was it? Somebody said by the age of 65, the average person is on nine pills a day. That's the average person. Some are taking more than that. Some left. Nine medications a day. Why is that? Because they're living in the wrong kingdom and they're living the wrong way and it's helping destroy their physical body that they have praise God in order to live God's way I guarantee you the more you line up with the kingdom of God the more your physical body will feel better the more energy you'll have you don't need a five-hour energy drink you need a five-hour Bible study I'm telling you, we got all these natural cures out here. We got all these other things out there, and there's nothing wrong with them. But bless God, let's do the way we were designed to live to begin with and see what happens. And after that, everything may line up in our lives, praise God. It may get better. Maybe you'll go to bed and have visions and dreams rather than nightmares tonight for a change. See, all that stuff's influenced by what you're doing, what you're taking in, what you're not taking in. But you were not only created by him, you were created for him, praise God, to live his way and to do his stuff. So what's the biggest thing? Biggest thing, the key to the rule of living out of the ills of humanity, basically, is one simple thing. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And what's the main problem of most Christians? Homesickness. They're not living in their kingdom home. They're living in some foreign rebellion country of sin and worry and fear and all those things. It's time to come back home, praise God, where we belong. Glory to God. Another thing you study are the Beatitudes. I believe they're very important. The Beatitudes are supposed to what you be attitude about and how it takes place in your life, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 2. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 1. It says, And you, say me, has he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Say dead, in trespasses and in sins. 
Now, once again, if sin was the normal thing for our human body and the normal human nature, then why would we be dead in sins? We should be alive in sins if that's what's best for our body. Evil is basically an attempt to live life against itself. Evil's not bad. It is to live life against itself and to try to get away with it. So not only is evil bad, but notice, every time we do this stuff, we're actually hurting ourselves and not the other person. The devil has deceived us to think that if you're offended at somebody, you're really teaching them a good lesson. If you're holding somebody in unforgiveness, let me tell you, you are really putting it on them. They're probably even sleeping at night because you're mad at him. And half the time they don't even know. As a pastor, I don't even know the people who are mad at me. Sometimes until months later that I find out that they were mad at me. Well, thank God I didn't really have to worry about that for three months. And anyway, praise God. But praise God, there's nothing you can do about it. Could you imagine that everybody in one little body like this lived according to the nature that God created them with, loved one another, served one another, helped one another. Who knows what power would be generated from a place like this and set the captives free. Now look at verse 10, same chapter. For we are his workmanship. We were created in Christ Jesus. What for? Good works which God has before ordained that you should walk in those things. Now notice, when you were created, what did he give you? For good works. You're a good work person. You're not a bad work person. You're a good work person, and when you walk in good works that were designed for you, then you live in physical health, you live in freedom, you live in joy and peace and joy of the Holy Ghost. So God has designed us by our makeup to be devoted to good deeds that we were created to do. When we do that, we will fulfill our design and also your purpose when we live like Christ and like the kingdom of God. We are to be God-intoxicated children who live in the kingdom of God. We do not fight against our nature because we fight against ourselves. All right, go to Romans chapter 6. I commanded you to go eat lunch after service. I want to make sure none of you are already there. Just a thought. Romans chapter 6. Romans 6, look at verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you for sin shall not have dominion over you now why is that once again because sin is not natural in your life you have dominion over sin here's what i heard my whole christian life well we all have to sin sooner or later sometime well, nobody's perfect. We all fall every now and then, but as long as we get back up, we'll just keep believing to sin and to fall, and I guarantee you, you'll have plenty of times to get back up before it's over with. See, that's not in your nature to fall. It's not in your nature to sin, base God. It's not the attitude and the thought life, but we've been so brainwashed by the church and by what we learned that we think sin is just a natural thing to do. We have been basically to a place to where we have naturalized the unnatural, in other words, it's natural to sin, even though it's not natural for us to sin, we've become to believe that it's natural to sin. I read a story one time, there was this poor boy who basically had no bicycle, he found one in the trash. He took it out, he started riding it, but the handlebars were crooked. 
So he rode that bike and rode that bike and rode that bike. And pretty soon somebody came along and saw him and said, well, you should have a nice bike. I'm going to buy you a nice bike. So they bought him a nice bike, everything brand new on it. When he took off on it, he fell down the first five times. Why is that? Because he was so used to riding a bicycle with twisted handlebars that he couldn't even ride the bicycle that was right. What was it? He was naturalized as something unnatural. Are you listening to me? It's the same way. There was a lady one time I read a book about where she lived in California someplace in the smoggiest area that you could live in. It was terrible there. Then she moved out in the country and she had to move back because she said, this clean air is, I just ain't used to it. I get sick every time. I can barely breathe with this clean air. How many do you know that she was naturalized? Come on now. to something was unnatural basically because she'd been doing it so wrong she thought a smoggy place was where to live he thought a crooked handlebar was the best bike in the whole wide world they got to that place and mankind and human beings have got to a place we all got to sin sometimes well i sinned again yesterday well i got mad again yesterday well i did this yesterday all that is against your nature and if it wasn't you'd feel good when you got mad and cussed somebody out you go away and say boy that felt good but you start walking away and said god i should have never did that that was terrible. I don't feel very good. Why? Once again, it's against the nature on the unside. We have been naturalized to the unnatural. We need to become naturalized to the natural. Look at verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be... Likewise, reckon ye yourselves also to be... Dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God. We have reckoned ourselves to be alive to sin and dead to God. Yeah, I'm not perfect. Well, become perfect then, praise God. Find out what's wrong and deal with it. So we've been so long and so often that sin is natural that we become brainwashed of the idea that sin is a must. It's false, and it's been a delusion to the church and people living in the kingdom of God. Sin is anti-life. The good is pro-life in your life. The good is not only good, but it's also good for you. I was studying this and looking at it, and I went to the ball game up there where Aaron was at, and there was some guy sitting beside me one time, a young guy, had had spiked hair, and he had tattoos all over him, and so I was in between innings, I figured I'd read his tattoos. I didn't have a newspaper or anything, praise God, so I'd read his tattoos, and one said, born to raise hell, and I was thinking, we should get tattooed on our forehead, born to bring heaven to earth. See? Because that's what, that's what he believed. That's what he was taught. So that's what he put. I'm born to, raise, born to sin, born to fail. But it's not that way. See, your nature was created not only by God, but it was created for God to operate that he operates. So why does the Holy Ghost continue to change us, continue to work on us, continue to work on the inside of you, tell you to apologize when you should, make up with somebody that you're having trouble with, why is he doing? not only for your spiritual good, but for your mental good, your emotional good, and your physical good, the same way. One scientist did a study on people who were living basically good lives and bad lives, and he found out that out of the 100 people that were there, the people that were living a good life, at each and every one of them, over half of them, whatever that was ailing them in the physical realm, fell right off their life. They took no medication for it, they took no nothing for it. It just simply fell off their life because they were now living the life in line with the kingdom of God as they should be living. And when it did that, their tissues lined up and their bones lined up and their emotions lined up and their feelings lined up and everything lined up. So the more we think like the kingdom of God, the more we pursue, we seek and find the narrow way. And the more we do the narrow way, it leads to life. Praise God in every single area of our life. Hallelujah. listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.